Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Jordan here. And we have a special guest today. His name is Matt Andrews. He's the real estate investor, serial entrepreneur, growth hacker, film producer, and number one best-selling author. He is best known for the Real Estate Investor Guide book series, the family mastermind, and founder of REI Collective Real Estate Investment Training. Matt has been seen on CNN, Forbes, ABC News, and other media outlets. Matt is also a creator of multiple real estate training programs and worked with Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington. Matt and his wife, Lindsay, travel the world relentlessly while running their business and working as founding board members of three international charities. Matt, welcome. Awesome, man. Jordan, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here on the Clocked In podcast. Yeah, I've heard a lot about you and uh, excited to be on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Definitely, definitely. So Matt, where did, where, I just read your bio. There's a ton of stuff in there. Did this, did you start out with these aspirations? Where, where did it all start? Yeah, well, um, not those aspirations specifically, but, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always had that in my blood. Um, you know, it's, it's always something that uh, I knew I wanted to own businesses. Uh, maybe didn't know uh, years and years ago exactly what businesses or where they would take me, but uh, certainly always wanted to grow businesses and, and exist as an entrepreneur in some capacity. So um, did I know I was going to end up where I am now or doing the things I'm doing now or working with the cool people I'm working with now? Uh, no, but I think that's kind of a part of the entrepreneurial journey, right? You, you go out there and you make things happen. You form cool partnerships and uh, you look at opportunities, you vet the opportunities and and they just take you uh, to, to interesting places. And uh, that's really kind of the dream of the entrepreneur, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's where, that's where I'm looking to go. You got to embrace the experience and see where it takes you. Exactly. Tell, tell us about your, your corporate experience, because I know you worked in corporate America for a little bit. Yeah. So straight out of college, I uh, actually got a degree in psychology and, um, and then started going into uh, what I thought was going to be a, you know, a lifelong career and in family counseling and that, and it kind of down that avenue. Right. And, uh, so I've got, I love, uh, the way our minds work and kind of figuring that out and trying to figure out how my mind works, how your mind works. And I've always been interested in that. Um, <clears throat> now that, that curiosity and that need is really fed by marketing because marketing is psychology, right? It's the psychology of motivation and psychology of buying and why we do what we do. 
uh, from a consumer standpoint. I mean, that, that is, that's marketing, right? So, um, so I got a degree in psychology, uh, got pretty disenchanted pretty quickly at uh, what I was going to be able to do there. Uh, found that as I moved up in that psychology world that I really wasn't working. I wouldn't be working with the people I wanted to help. I was more managing the people who managed the people who worked with the people that I wanted to help, right? So it kind of, you know, I got this degree and then got out and figured out, man, you know, I, I wanted to work with children. I wanted to work with families, but working directly with them, I wasn't able to achieve my financial goals. So uh, I'm good at sales. I'm a natural communicator. That's a skill that I've got. So I went into sales. Uh, I was working for a Fortune 500 company um, in, my, in my early 20s. You know, I've got a company car. I've got an expense account. I think I'm big stuff, Jordan, right? I think I'm like the man, um, you know, and uh, I think I was probably like 22 years old and uh, none of my friends uh, from college or my counterparts that are my age um, are at that, that level. You know, I'm, I'm winning sales awards. Uh, I'm being flown to corporate headquarters. I'm being wined and dined by, by the guys that were me 20 years before and being groomed to move up in, in that company, you know, and it was a large scale company that, that you would have heard of. Um, and, uh, you know, just thought that that was going to be my track. I thought, okay, you know, I'm enjoying this. I like achieving. Um, I like the recognition that I'm getting. I like the money that I'm making. I like the perks that come with it. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to keep moving up in this world and I'm just going to keep, uh, making more money and uh, little by little I'll establish more freedom and uh, so that was my thought, right? And I see you laughing because you probably know that that's not the way it ended up turning out for me. And that's probably a, a familiar story for a lot of people that start there and then end up becoming entrepreneurs. So, you know, I'm winning all these sales awards. Uh, my, my, uh, my boss calls me in one day and he's like, Matt, you know, you, you've done so well over the last couple of years. You've done this and you've done this and you've achieved that. You built this book of business and you built this amazing pipeline of sales that are going to you know, uh, that, you know, that you've uh, been making money with and all this stuff is fantastic. Here's the thing though, Matt, we're shutting down that division. And you're going to have to start all over again in this other division. I was oh like, excuse me. What? It was like, you know, you could hear the needle, you could hear like the, the turntable needle scratch. I'm like, wait, 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 what? You know, I've been working for this year and a half, two years on this track thinking, man, I'm building something. I've built this business within this business, you know, I think that I've got control of this. And then all of a sudden, boom, they yank the rug out from under me, tell me that everything that you've done has basically been erased now. Everything that you thought was going to keep paying, none of that's paying. In fact, our company uh, is not even going to be in that mode anymore. Now you need to be over here and you're still going to be in sales. You're still going to do this. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. You know, that was, that was when I mentally checked out. So over the next probably six, eight months. Um, I, I stayed, you know, transitioned into that new position because I couldn't just quit. I needed money, right? So they transitioned me over there. While I was uh, working in that new division, I was giving them about 50% of my mental bandwidth. And uh, the other 50% of my mental bandwidth, I was studying real estate investing. I was studying the masters of, you know, how, how you uh, can, can buy a property, fix it up, flip it and make money. How you can buy a property, uh, finance it, uh, put it into your portfolio as a rental and create passive income. I started studying uh, people like Ron Legrand and, and Dean Graziosi. And some of these guys were like the late night gurus that we used to see on TV way, you know, way back then. And then we're talking 20 years ago. We're talking about you know, probably 2000, 1999, 2000 is when I was going through this. So got disenchanted with the corporate world, knew 
that I had to do something, started studying real estate. And I said, this is it. This is what I want to do. Uh, I want to be able to be my own boss. I want to be able to work on these properties. I want to, you know, get crews and manage crews and they're fixing this stuff up. But most importantly, I want to be in control of the money I make, of my destiny and of my future. I want to be able to, uh, to know that someone's not going to come and just pull the rug out from under me again. And it was at that moment, you know, when they pulled the rug out that I was, I was ruined forever for corporate America at that point. I just knew that that was not going to work for me. So, uh, so I started studying real estate, did my first flip, uh, tripped all over myself, did everything wrong, right? And that's, uh, I am one of those guys that sometimes I'm getting smarter as I get older, but I do learn things the hard way sometimes. I, I do, uh, you know, do everything wrong and then figure out by default what the right thing is after I've done the 10 wrong things, right? Which is uh, effective, but not efficient, <laughs> right? And, um, and then flipped a property. It should have been about a $20,000 profit at the time. Uh, we're talking 2000, 2001, um, but, uh, I turned, I, I magically turned what should have been a $20,000 profit into a $2,000 profit, but I didn't lose money. I didn't lose money. And I learned way more lessons than a $20,000, uh, income would have given me at that time. I learned, okay, now I know what to do differently on that next property. So on the next property, uh, I got yeah. better. I made a little bit more money, right? On the next property, I did a little bit better. I made a little bit more money. Fast forward, you know, five or 10 properties later, um, you know, three by, by deal number five, I had made my entire salary uh, that I'd made the year before in my corporate job, right? And uh, so now I'm feeling pretty good. I've got some money in the bank. And um, at that point, I, uh, and you'll appreciate this because I know you love to travel. At that point, I said, okay, I want to, I want to really, I was just uh, bootstrapping at that point. I was just grinding it out. But I said, I really want to grow a real real estate business, but I want to get my head right, you know? And so I had some money in the bank and I took off to Europe for a month and a half, uh, put a backpack on my back and said, you know, I'm going to have a little mat time, have a little me time. I've got some savings in the bank. Uh, I stayed at hostels. I, you know, kind of did the whole European vagabond, yeah, yeah. right? The European vagabond thing, which was a, a lot of fun. But the whole time I was strategizing and kind of creating a plan. And it was during that month and a half or so where I was traveling through uh, Germany and Spain and Italy. And, uh, and then especially uh, I landed in the Czech Republic in Prague, which is still one of my favorite cities to this day. Absolutely love Prague. And it was there that I started going through an exercise that today I call uh, the perfect day exercise. And maybe you've heard of something like this, but it's when you take a very purposeful time to draw out the life that you want to live in terms of here would be my perfect day, right? And in, and in perfect detail, I, I took time to really draw out, here's where I want to live. Here's what I want to do. Um, here's, here's the kind of freedom I want to have. Here's the kind of money I want to make. Here's the kind of food I want to eat. Here's the kind of car I want to drive. Here's the kind of woman I want to marry. And I just really started drawing that out. Now, my perfect day may, may have changed. And what I think was my perfect day has probably changed over the years, right? But it was taking that time to really create a vision for what I wanted my future to look like that then informed me uh, of how to build a real estate business so that it would fit to that. So when yeah, I got back home- I, I love that. I mean, yeah. I just want to take note. There were three yeah. things that I really enjoyed. The first was when they pulled the rug out from under you you sat there and you, you were disappointed, but you didn't go, I'm going to screw myself over and quit right away. 
you stuck it out and you developed a plan and you go, this is what we're going to do alternatively, which is the first step in anything. You got to take, take it into your own hands, the time that you have. Then once you freed up your time, I thought it was really good that you did the real estate and you lost money on it. Yeah. You didn't lose money, but you didn't get the 20,000. You got the 2000, but you sat there and you took note and said, I learned a lot. Here's what I'm not going to do next time. And of course you're improving from that. And that didn't scare you away to go, Oh my God, I got lucky on this. I'm not going to do another deal. Because yeah. there's probably a ton of real estate people who go, oh, man, that was dumb luck. Like, I'm definitely not going to do that again. Not going to do it lot- again. Exactly. There's a lot of people. And then the last thing was the fact that you went on a trip, got away, took a moment to reflect on what you've done and where you want to go. Because there's so many people that live in the path of, we tell me what to do next. Tell me what to do next. Should I get this promotion? Yeah. And it's not even themselves telling themselves what to do it's their boss or their parents or a friend you need to you need to get this job move up and just do that and it's not the lifestyle you want to build so matt i just want to commend you on that but this next part guys is the super exciting part so continue on yeah so um yeah so i i got back home i started uh you know implementing um, you know, strategy for building a real business, a business that could scale, right? And so, you know, from 2002 to probably uh, 2007, eight, um, you know, that six-year span, I just got better and better at what I was doing. Um, I was and still what, very, what were you actually doing in real estate? So yeah, so I was buying properties, I was fixing them up, and then I was selling them. So I was, okay. I was what we call, you know, like I was flip this house before flip this house was on TV, right? But that was. That was my real business, and and that was the the core of my business was uh, deal acquisition, finding good properties that I could buy for let's just say a hundred thousand, and I could put twenty thousand dollars into them, fix them up, and then sell them for one hundred and fifty thousand and pocket thirty thousand uh, dollar you know income on on a property like that. And net, when you're you just to dive in a little more, when you're yeah. buying these, are you buying them cash or you put down? A small percentage, or what do you think is the best? Well, so I started my business. It was a different different climate then. It was pre uh, foreclosure crisis, which happened okay. in two thousand eight and nine, right? So yeah. before that, uh, lending was a lot easier. So I started my business on Bank of America conventional loans. You know, back back then, it's like you all you needed was like a pulse and uh, to prove that you were alive, and you could get three or four loans at a time, all like under uh, you know uh, subprime loans and. Now we know looking back for people that were in that time, we know that's what created the foreclosure crisis, right? And that's what created a lot of problems for a lot of people. That's why, that's why we came up with phrases like upside down on my house and stuff like that, right? Because people owed more than they, than they, uh, than they had into it and stuff. So, um, but that's, that's how I started the business was, you know, financing uh, just with traditional loans. So I would buy a property, I'd get a loan on it, you know, I'd I'd, uh, get a loan on the property, close it. Um, and then I'd only have that property for, you know, a maximum of six months, even if it was a, a pretty extensive rehab project. But a lot of times, you know, even like two or three months uh, or even less, but from the time I bought it, financed it, and then sold it to somebody else and then got, you know, got my money back and, and got the profit. And you had contractors that you just relied on or you were doing it yourself or what, what was that? That's, that's a good question. So I told you I like to figure out things the hard way, right? So my first few deals... I tried to uh, do a lot myself and I tried to hire buddies and friends to do it with me. Bad idea, right? <laughs> Always hire professionals to do a professional job. I, 
Now, my wife laughs at me anytime I tell this story because I am like the least handy guy you have ever met in your entire life, right? In fact, at my house, if something breaks, my wife is more likely to fix it with her toolbox than I am with mine, right? As soon as I pick up a hammer or grab a screwdriver, I'm probably going to break something and then have to hire somebody to fix it, right? So I tried to do that when I first started, um, but, uh, but then I realized, yes, I need to hire uh, contractors and I need to hire crews. And so I acted a little bit as a foreman. I knew just enough to know who I should hire, but the quality and the work you know, was all supplied by somebody who were pros. So, you know, if I needed flooring, I had a flooring pro in there. If I needed, you know, pest, uh, pest eradication, I, I hired a, you know, uh, a pest guy, you know, whatever it was, a painter did my paint. Painting was the one thing that I could do and not mess up too bad, you know, yeah. but, uh, but even then I wasn't that good at painting either. I was a mess, you know, and inefficient. So I got better and better at managing crews at uh, creating a group of professionals that I kind of kept busy um, and so they weren't employees. They weren't working for me full time, but it was almost like having employees that worked for me full time. Uh, it's it just that they were independent contractors. Right. But they yeah. depended on me for 90, you know, 80, 90 percent of the business they did. Oh, Maybe wow. they took some side jobs. But but I had property after property. And as soon as one was done, I'd move those four or five guys over to another one. As soon as that was done, I'd move those four or five guys to another one. Eventually, I started doing more than one at a time and had, you know, two or three crews of four or five guys each. And they were kind of interchangeable. I could move one to this job, move one to this job. The big and thing, so, I like it. Yeah. And so from 2002 to like 2008, that's pretty much what I did. And then in 2008, the foreclosure crisis uh, happened. Um, a lot of properties, especially in Tampa, Florida, where I was, and you're familiar with Tampa, uh, you've yeah. lived there, um, you know, at that time, and uh, maybe you weren't around during that time, but at that time, there were a lot of properties that were $150,000 properties and overnight they dropped in value to, to 60, 70,000. I mean, a lot of these properties lost 50% of their value overnight because, uh, because of what was happening. Rat, rampant defaults were happening. Everybody was losing their home. Anybody that lived in Tampa or Phoenix, uh, Arizona, or some of those really hard hit markets around those times will remember um, everybody was losing their home. Right. And so suddenly there were there were properties on the market like crazy at a fraction of the value or fraction of the price that they were um, just a few short weeks before that. So that happened. Uh, it you know started happening at the very beginning of 2008, got really bad throughout 2008 and 2009. And when I say bad, the, the foreclosures really started happening a lot then. But that was around the time that I started really learning marketing and learning how to find uh, how to use uh, what was uh, early internet marketing and digital marketing to find buyers worldwide for the distressed properties that were in Tampa. So I found properties and bought properties for 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar because nobody, uh, nobody could buy them. Nobody could get financing. I was starting to buy these cash. And then I would take those properties uh, sometimes without even touching them mark them up and sell them to investors that weren't in Florida, uh, that were in different markets or were in South America or were, you know, uh, in Australia or in Europe um, where they still had money, you know? And so I used SEO, search engine optimization. I used Facebook. I used YouTube uh, to show up all over the place, all over the world to people that were looking to buy uh, the distressed real estate that was happening in America at the time. And Tampa just happened to be, you know, one of the nexus of the of the the inventory of those properties. So 
you know, fast forward just a little bit from 2008 to 2012, um, we literally flipped hundreds of properties in that time. Dude, and I had, yeah, go ahead. Quick question. So you yeah. were getting, you're doing all the flipping. Were you getting, you had the cash at the time to buy all of these? Or I, had you, the, I, I had the cash to buy a few, like a few that were like, you know, you 30. Give one example. Give one example. Yeah. So like I would buy a property for $30,000, right? Okay. I mean, that cheap. And that property was selling for $100,000 just a month before or a year before, okay. right? So now I would buy that property and I had the cash because I knew I was going to quickly sell it, right? So yeah. I was using cash, going in, buying a property. At the same time, I'm developing this list of buyers who yeah. I knew based on the amount of rent and based on the uh, cap rate or the cash flow that that property would yeah. provide would easily pay, you know, 50 or $60,000 for it, even as is. And so I started turning properties very quickly like that. So I put cash into them, but then I would quickly turn it over to somebody else, get my cash back, do it again, do it. Okay. So now you it. went 30, now you got 60, now you can buy two proper. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So you're getting the idea. So I was just kind of, I was, uh, almost like playing Monopoly. You know, you go from uh, uh, you go from the one house to the two houses. You go from the one house to the apartments, you know. Like yeah. I'm, you go from Baltic Baltic and Mediterranean to Park Place on uh, in Monopoly, right? And so that's what I was doing. I was basically just leveling up with each one, not so much with nicer properties, but just with more volume of properties. And okay. then, then what I started doing and what really made the difference, uh, number one, was getting buyers from out of the area that had cash then I started locking up properties on contract. So I'd sign a contract to buy it. And then I would go to one of my buyers and say, hey, I've got this property um, all, all set up. I can assign it to you for this much money. And then I would use their money to fund the deal. So then I started getting, getting into a process where I wasn't even using my own money anymore. I was putting, you know, I was signing the contract, you know, got the deal. Yeah. And then as soon as I had it for 30 or 40,000, I was telling this person, I got this for you. It's a 50k property. Send me the money, and then I did what we called a uh, what we called at the time a simultaneous close or a double close. Meaning, yeah. uh, you know, I was party A, or the the bank selling it to me was party A, the bank that had foreclosed yeah. on somebody. I was party B, and that end buyer was party C, and I was using party C to send the money to party A, and then I kept the spread in the middle. And uh, that's called you know what we call now that's called wholesaling. And we, I did that via a double close or a simultaneous close, which is a process you can still do today, but it's got to be done right legally. You've got you've to structure it right so that you're uh, you know, in compliance with the laws. But that's what I started doing, using these rich foreigners' money to fund my deals. And then, and then it just grew from there. You know, I just kept leveling up on deals. Uh, I got to the point where I said, you know, hey, if you want to buy properties from me, you got to buy at least two or three at a time. Then it got to the point where I said, you got to buy five or 10 at a time. Then it got to the point where I was literally telling people because my marketing was working so well, my phone was ringing off the hook. I was the guy in Tampa, you know, the, the nexus of the foreclosure market. I was the guy who in, in, the, in the perception of the internet, I was the guy who controlled and had all the properties, right? So I then told people, I mean, some of these guys were whales. I would say, you got to buy 25 properties at a time at 50K a piece or I won't deal with you. And once I did that, it went up to the next level. And that's when I, you know, that's when I, I literally had some buyers buying 45, 50 properties at a time and had, you know, a wholesale fee and a renovation fee 
um, and a property management fee on top of all those. So multiple properties, sometimes, like I said, 40 or 50 at a time to one buyer who had millions of dollars and three or four profit centers on each of those 40 or 50 properties. And so you don't have to be, you know, a PhD in math to figure out that that started adding up really fast. And then I took all the money that I was creating there and all the profit to start keeping properties free and clear, right? So properties that I then started holding myself that were Matt Andrews properties that I put into my rental portfolio, but I had no loans on them. I owed nobody, nothing on them. And I was buying them for 30K, you know, and they were worth 50 or 60. And now fast forward, you know, to, to 2012, 2013, I've now got a, a, a thriving portfolio of properties. Fast forward to 2020, where we are today, most of those properties I've held on to, and those have tripled, even quadrupled in value. So properties that I was buying at 30K um, with no loans are some, some of them now worth $150,000 each. And then that just, once you get to that point, it just affords you a whole different uh, level and a whole different lifestyle. And somewhere yeah, in there- it. Yeah, and somewhere in there is where it went totally virtual, which I know you want to talk about that. We'll dive into that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll dive into that next. But I love that because if you think about it, 2008, 2009, 2010, everyone is scared for their life. If you're in corporate America, you're like, God, I have a job. Even people today, even in this time, people are, thank God, I have a job. Meanwhile, we have, there are so many people on the planet that have money that are going, okay, we are buying now that we are taking these steps and it, it shows what Matt did is he surrounded himself with people who were willing to make those purchases because he yep. could have sat in his neighborhood and just listened to wah, 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 everyone complaining, but he surrounded himself with the right people and he knew the money was going to come in and he was able to grow. So you I, just I nailed it. Great. Yeah. You just nailed it. And I think the key, I mean, I think you just said the most valuable thing that, that we've said on this podcast is that you're, I was listening to the, to the right people, right? And had I just been listening to the people around me, I mean, wah, 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 that's exactly what they were doing. I mean, you, you almost sounded and reminded me of what they sounded like then because it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of uh, resigning to, oh, this is just what we're in. This is just the market. You can't succeed in real estate, you know, or whatever it was. And I remember telling people at the time, you know, people would say, you know, Matt, what do you do? And I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm in real estate. And they'd be like, ooh, how's that going? You know, ooh, man, you know, because all they heard was what the Wall Street Journal was telling them or what, uh, you know, CNN or whatever was saying on TV, that it was just this terrible real estate market and that you couldn't make money and and, uh, all all this. And I was thinking, man, no one's even trying right now. You know, in Tampa right now in 2020, there are hundreds of investors that, that that are doing that kind of thing. In 2008, 9, 10, there was nobody. It was me and five other people. And so the lesson there, you know, and I think you're, you're pulling this lesson out, Jordan. The lesson is, is that when everybody thinks there's no opportunity, that's the time that there's opportunity, right? That's the time. So where we're at right now and where we're, you know, where we are with COVID and with everybody not leaving their homes and everybody just kind of resigned to this is just the way it is. 2020 is a wash. I'm telling you. And I, and I, I'm selective about who I even say this to, but I think I'm in safe ground with you and the people that listen to this podcast. Definitely. 2020 is our best year in business ever, right? We have done better both from a monetary standpoint and from a personal fulfillment standpoint. I've done better at this far in 2020 being, you know, uh, three fourths of the way through the year 
than we've ever done in any previous year. And now we own multiple businesses and they're all up. Every single one of them are up, right? Um, And so when people aren't trying, when everyone around you stops moving forward and you keep moving forward, you don't even have to move forward at a faster pace than you were before. You just have to keep moving forward, right? If you're in a race, I mean, think about it. Like I used to run cross country in high school, right? If I was in a race in cross country and I was the slowest guy, just, just in the back of the pack, just slow, I'm running 12 minute miles, right? Just super slow, right? And these guys are up there running six minute miles, but they all stop, right? Think about this visual, right? And I just keep going at my 12 minute mile, but they've all stopped. Who's going to win the race? Me, right? Because they all stopped, you know? And so that's, that's where I feel like I was then in 2008, 9, 10, 11. Everybody just kind of stopped trying, at least in real estate. They stopped trying. So many people had lost their shirts. I feel like we're in the same kind of uh, uh, climate again. And I think 2020 and now 2021, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see the people moving forward um, at whatever pace. The people who just put their head down and keep going forward in one way or another are going to dominate. Because when everyone stops trying, uh, the playing field gets leveled and you, you leveled up by default, right? Yeah. So even if you're not doing anything different, you're just keep moving forward, um, that you are going to profit there. You are going to move ahead, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time, even if all you're doing right now is mentally staying strong and building mental assets and getting mentally tough. When, when things do get a little bit better and other people are back into it, you're going to be so far ahead of them that you're going to be operating in a, in a diff, different atmosphere. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I've been trying to do because it, it really is. I mean, getting, having a conversation with you right now, this wouldn't be, if, 20, if COVID wasn't going on, we wouldn't be conversing like this. We'd have to set the appointment, be in person. It's, it's a whole hoorah. And my whole podcast came out of COVID because I wanted to network with people I love and, now we're, and now we're here and it's super easy and I can, we can be back to our regular work lives in 10 minutes. Yeah. So you're, the perfect, you're the perfect example. This podcast exists because uh, you, did, you made a decision to keep moving forward with and, and starting something new, right? And I've started a lot of new things uh, since March, you know, this year too, that uh, are coming to fruition more and more every day. Um, and it's, you're seeing the opportunity when everybody else kind of stops you keep moving forward, the opportunities are there. And the truth is, is that chaos, although I never hope for chaos, I don't pray for chaos. I don't want people to, to uh, be in crazy chaotic situations. But the truth is, is that throughout history, and it's true today and will always be true, chaos brings opportunity. Okay. And when people are confused and people, you know, are, are depressed or people feel like they're being held back, that's the time when new doors open up, when new windows open up. And uh, there are things that I know now that I didn't know just a couple of months ago. Um, and there are things and opportunities that exist now that didn't uh, exist just a couple of months ago. So, you know, the, the message, if there's any one message that I've learned in the year of 2020, it's that uh, seize the opportunity and realize when everyone says, when the, when the masses or when the uh, conventional knowledge says there's no opportunity, that's the time there's opportunity. That's absolutely the time there's opportunity. And it makes me think about uh, Mark Twain, one of my favorite writers and some of the best quotes ever, 
Mark Twain once said, you know, when you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to reevaluate, you know, and he said, he said something, well, I probably am misquoting it, but it's basically when you find that you're in agreement with, with the general public, that's probably when you need to rethink what you're thinking. Right. And I I totally believe that. And uh, to take it to, and I'm not a cynic, but if I were to take it to a cynical side, I'd say, look at what most people are doing and do the exact opposite. And there's your hack for success, right? Look at what most people say. Here's what you got to do. Here's what your friends say you got to do. Here's what your parents say you got to do. Here's what the education system says you have to do. And and I've got a whole diatribe on that that I won't go down. But but whatever the conventional wisdom is, um, is, you know, conventional wisdom is seldom wise, right? And, And you can use a general hack of, you know, if everybody's doing it, uh, it's probably best to look somewhere else. And if everybody says you can't do it, that's probably the place to look because there's always room at the top. You know, there's absolutely always room at the top. And I think that's a, that's a principle I live by. And I think it's one that's served me really well. Definitely. Definitely. And so let's dive in. We have a couple minutes left. So in regard to your business, what, tell us a quick story about how you, the Germany experience. So you're in Germany. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then we'll dive into how you made it virtual. Yeah, so a lot of people don't think this is possible. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you were listening to some old podcasts that me and my wife had done, and and uh, maybe some videos that we shot. Uh, what happened? Me and my wife love to travel, right? And my wife is amazing. Um, she's she's amazing in business, and she's amazing as my life partner. I mean, she's just incredible, and um, and we love to travel, and uh, especially before we had kids, we were. We, we had built our business to a point where we could be vagabonds when we wanted to be, which was really cool. Um, but when I was in, uh, I think it was, I was in Germany. We were on a trip in Europe one time. And like half of the time that I was uh, there, I was, you know, trying to get deals closed and trying to get deals closed that were happening back in Florida. And, um, and I realized, okay, you know, going into it, I thought, man, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to be able to do this. Usually I have to be at the title company. I've got to sign docs physically. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But we decided, look, we're going to go to Germany and for these or Germany and Italy and a couple other places. And for these, you know, three weeks or maybe it was a little bit longer. I think we might've gone for a month for this time. We're going to uh, keep closing deals. We're going to keep it happening and see if we can for two or three weeks sustain the business while we're not physically present right? Uh, can we do that? We weren't sure that we could. I didn't know if I was going to be able to, um, but we got there. We started happening. You know, we started making it happen. Uh, we, you know, we got on, you know, the internet, we were doing some international phone calls. And for the most part, we didn't lose uh, a beat. We were able to close the deals that we were trying to close. We were able to uh, make, you know, make the, make the, you know, the actual transactions happen. Uh, we had some people back home that had, you know, limited power of attorney where if something had to be physically signed, that we empowered them to sign for that one deal, that one time to be able to do that. Um, you know, some people that work for us and also even some some friends and family members that would do that for us at times that we trusted. And what we figured out was we can make this happen virtually. We could be nowhere near Florida and close deals in Florida and still make money. We can manage rehabs and, and manage crews with the right structure and the right people in place uh, to turn those properties, to flip those properties, to wholesale those properties and not be there at all. So that was when the light bulb went off for us. You know, We're traveling in Germany 
And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd have to, you know, stop and go to an internet cafe and, you know, now, now it's, everything's connected. Right. But then we were like ducking into an internet cafe and getting these closings done and everything. But here's what we realized, Jordan, we realized we can do this. This actually will work. We can make this business happen without being physically present. And that was when another light bulb went off for us. When we, when we understood we don't need to be there, we can do this virtually. And now virtual is just a, it's a given for a lot of businesses, right? Especially in COVID, uh, almost everything's gone virtual, right? That can. Um, but at the time it was a, it was a new process for us, right? Uh, or, you know, it, it was a, it was something that I had to wrap my head around that this could actually happen, but here's the real light bulb. Some of those closings and some of those processes happened better when I wasn't there. And, uh, and that was uh, a two, twofold realization. One was, is that uh, empowering people on the ground that work for us to do things while we're gone uh, was the right move. Outsourcing and empowering others to do something that we didn't necessarily have to be there to do was great, right? Uh, and then number two, sometimes I was the log jam and I was the, th- I was the one that held things up in my own business, right? I was the one that, that made things harder than they need to be, you know? And so it forced me to streamline processes to the point where I knew I could be away now. And so uh, we really, the light bulb uh, went off there and then the light bulb just literally exploded when I got back home and me and my wife said, you know what? We're back here now. We're back in Florida. Let's pretend like we're not. Let's pretend like we're, let's pretend like we're not back in Florida. Let's pretend like we're still in Germany or still in Italy you know, doing our thing, you know, and still touring the Vatican or whatever. And let's not tell people that we're back. Right. And so I started doing all of our closings virtually. I could have driven 15 minutes down the road to the title company and signed off on it. I decided I didn't want to. Why would, why would I take that 15 minutes there and back and, uh, and talk to the title company, you know, and make, make idle chit chat for 30 minutes while I'm there. Why would I waste that hour if I could do it the same way I did it when I was in Germany and do it virtually, you know, so, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years. Now we have things like DocuSign and stuff like that. So when those technologies came in and were starting to be more and more uh, acceptable in real estate, it got that much easier. I didn't even have to pay people for, you know, uh, for attorney or for uh, power of attorney and stuff like that. We were able to do so much of the contract stuff uh, without actually being there. And so that was our virtual transition. And I feel like we were, you know, I'm not normally ahead of the curve from a technology standpoint, but that was a place where I was way ahead of the curve. And we basically, for all intents and purposes, as far as our business goes, we never came back from Germany and we haven't been back since. We're still ideologically in Germany, right? We're still hanging out in Berlin or wherever we were when we closed those first deals from afar. And, uh, and that just put us on a whole path because now we realized, well, I don't just have to do deals in Florida. I could do deals in Michigan. So we went to Michigan, started doing deals there. I never even see the properties. We do them all virtually, right? Then we went to, to uh, uh, Cleveland, uh, Ohio and Columbus, Ohio. And we went to Indianapolis, Indiana. So now we do property deals in Tampa, Florida and in Ohio and uh, in Michigan. I do more properties today in Michigan where I never even visit, where my wife won't even go in the wintertime because it's like a frozen tundra. We do more deals there than I even do in Florida right now in 2020 because there's no barrier to doing that. And once we were able to make that mindset shift of uh, we, our physical presence is not required, then it allowed us to scale up our business and achieve a new level of freedom. So now 
you know, fast forward to today, I've got a six-year-old daughter, a two-year-old son. My two-year-old just started in, in preschool. I'm able to take my kids to school every day and pick them up every day. You know, when, I, when I'm done with this podcast right now with you, I'm going to run grab my daughter because we're doing this virtually. I was able to schedule it in between those pickup times. I'm able to work in between the times that they go to school. And, uh, and so the virtual lifestyle grew from just being able to travel to now being able to be a better dad, being able to be a, a better husband. And it all comes back to just reclaiming your time and claiming freedom. So to me, that's what freedom is now is being able to work when I want, how I want, with the people I want, on the projects I want, but firmly keeping my family and my charities and the things that I love the most in the first position. And everything else can fall to second place because I'm able to do it uh, virtually and I'm able to empower other people if, if physical or presence is required uh, for some reason. And so that's, that's what freedom is to me today. Yeah, and that's exactly why we had Matt on this podcast because it – all, all of my stuff, all of my coaching, all of my podcasts, it all identifies with living, winning in all areas of life and having a holistic life. And you just explained it right there. He's making, he's making a ton of money, managing a bunch of people, doing it all. And what's he doing? He's empowering others. So he doesn't even have to, he checks in. He's, it really is impressive. And he's got his priorities in order with the charities and his family. Matt, uh, I love it. I love Thanks, it. Man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, you and I talked just a little bit before this podcast, and I was like, man, we're, we're kindred spirits, man. And you explained your audience and, and where people are. Some I know are entrepreneurs now. Some are you know, in that rat race, and they, they can see the light in the, at the end of the tunnel, and they're getting out of that rat race. And so uh, I love it, man. I love being able to share this kind of stuff. And, and for me, it was just listening to the right people, back to what you said before, listening to the right people not accepting the status quo, almost having like a righteous indignance against, oh, this is the path that I have to follow. Well, let me test that. And let me see, is that really the path that I have to follow? Or can I make a different path here? And then finding people that supported that, whether it's family members or other entrepreneurs. And so today, I spend probably more time growing the community around me than I do anything else, because I want to make sure I'm listening to the right people, uh, which is going to keep me heading in the right direction. And today, you know, 2020, uh, COVID and other things that are going on, you know, with, with strife in our world, uh, it's more important than ever to make sure you're listening to the right people because it's a literal handicap if you're listening to the wrong people. And if you're buying into a lie, that's quite simply not true. Yeah. And, and nowadays it's so easy, as we were saying, regarding there's so many podcasts, there's videos, YouTube, even if you don't know Matt, you can listen to Matt. So now we're going to dive into where can they find you, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, man. So reicollective.com is one of our real estate websites. Um, but you can also find me on Facebook, you know, just if this resonated with you today and then you want to connect with me, just find me on Facebook, type in Matt Andrews, look for this bald head and uh, you'll see uh, me and my beautiful wife and my two children there. And uh, you can reach out to me that way and connect with me there. Um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn too, as you found Jordan. So, uh, you know, reicollective.com is kind of one of our front facing websites for real estate. Uh, but if you type in, you know, Matt Andrews real estate on Google, you'll see a lot of other things there too, uh, real estate related and our education companies and our holding companies and our publishing company. Uh, but the easiest way to connect is probably just hit me up on Facebook, find me there. And, uh, you know, you'll see, uh, you'll see the, you know, me and my people and you'll see my, my business communities kind of 
in that Facebook world and you'll see the kind of people I hang out with and the kind of people that I interact with. And it's, it's people like you, Jordan, you know, and people like our friend, Jeremy Knopf, who connected us, who I love a lot. You'll see him, you know, I'm constantly talking with him on, on Facebook and, you know, hitting him on different social platforms too, because he's one of those guys that I want in my world, you know, to, to help me maintain that right mindset. So, uh, all those are places where you can find me and connect with me. Amazing. And Matt, Matt, thank you again for coming on. We really, yeah, really man. appreciate having you on here. And I know people are going to gain a bunch of value from this. Yeah. Well, Jordan, I think what you're doing is awesome. You're going through this journey yourself and I uh, commend you on that. And I, I commend you for stepping out during, you know, a time when everyone else is standing still, or a lot of other people are standing still, you're moving forward. And uh, that is going to serve you. It's already serving you in ways. It's connected us, right? Yeah. But it's going to serve you in ways that, that you can't even measure and that you don't even know where it's going to go. And that's, that's the truth. If you put yourself out there and you develop a community and you rally the right kind of people around you, which is what you're doing with this podcast, um, and you do it authentically and you do it honestly and for the right reasons, which I, I sincerely believe you are, um, you're going you're gonna to reap re- rewards tenfold beyond anything you could imagine. So stay on the path you're on, man. If there's anything I can do to help you, um, you know, you've got, you've got my direct line and you've got my email. You can hit me anytime. I'd love to be on the show again and and just love to uh, track your progress and everything that's going on. And uh, glad to have you in my sphere of influence now, Jordan. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.